We have Rand Fishkin in the house, and let me just give you a quick bio on him, and we're, we're so excited to have him. It's going to be great. So a little bit about Rand. He is the co-founder and CEO of SparkToro. He previously founded Moz and is the author of Lost and Founder, a painfully honest field guide to the startup world. So we'll cue the intro, and then we will bring him on. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. We want to start with this. Um, in the intro, we talked a little bit about the rabbit hole moment. And for us in our world, the rabbit hole moment was when we found ClickFunnels and we found Russell and we found webinars and perfect webinars. And then it was like, here we go down this rabbit hole of marketing and in this world. So for you, what was that in your world? What was, what was your rabbit hole moment? Oh man, I, uh, <laughs> I have had a lot, a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so let's see the, the earliest one that's probably, you know, relevant to your audience and, and probably yeah. a bunch of folks listening will, will know me from uh, my previous startup, which, which was Moz. Um, yeah. And hopefully a lot of folks will know me from the new one, which is SparkToro. <laughs> but um, yeah, in, in the early days, you know, this is like 2002, 2003, my rabbit hole was, was basically, I was really pissed off, like very angry all the time that Google and Yahoo and MSN and Ask Jeeves, I don't know if you remember these, these early search <laughs> engines. <laughs> Basically, you know, the, all four of them were vying for, you know, 25%-ish market share uh, back in the, the early 2000s. Yeah. And I was infuriated that none of them would share how they worked. None of them would help business owners and websites and people who were putting their ideas on the web to uh, transparently uncover how the systems behind their their rankings worked. And so... I made it my mission to like, I'm going to learn this and I'm not going to do what everybody else who learns this does, which at the time was essentially keep that as your secret sauce and then use it to sell consulting or whatever. I was like, I'm going to put it out there publicly. I don't, I don't care what the business consequences are. I'm going to write about it. I'm going to put out everything that I could possibly learn. And so, yeah, I did exactly that, right? Like went to, you know, conferences and took all the notes and put them up online and interviewed people and had debates with folks and, you know, and that's essentially how the the blog that became the, the, the Moz blog um, was started. It was just like, here's everything I'm going down this rabbit hole on with with SEO. Uh, with SparkToro, uh, something really similar happened. You know, I was helping startups in particular, like tech startups mostly. Um, right. One in particular, I was I was on the board of directors of here in Seattle, and search did not work for them because there were not people searching for the for solutions to the problem that that they were solving and so like search was just this useless <laughs> channel essentially for this company and instead uh we had to 
get to the place of how do we go talk to the audience that is potentially having the problem that we solve in the places they already pay attention? Because capturing that audience is just so difficult and expensive, but there's already people who reach them. And every time we found, you know, whatever it was, a webinar, an event, a conference, a podcast, a YouTube channel, um, an interview series, a blog, a, a media outlet that actually reached the audience we wanted to reach, you know, marketing success, lots of people checking out the product and signing up. That was right. awesome. But finding those, finding those was the pain. And that is what set me down the rabbit hole of audience research and, and starting Spark Toro with Casey. Um, right. And, and, you know, <laughs> my, my most recent rabbit hole. So I started another company. Um, <laughs> Entrepreneurs. I know. We're the worst. <laughs> um, so I started another company um, with my wife, Geraldine, actually. It is awesome. a, uh, a video game development company. Well, cool. I guess it's a video game funding Cool. Um, company because the actual development studio is a, is a different company down in LA. But um, yeah, I, I got obsessed during the pandemic with wanting to start my own video game and, and create my own. I was like, I, I, I can feel this thing. Like it, it could be so great. And Geraldine was very, very encouraging. Um, and so I spent, yeah, just, you know, months every night uh, on my phone, on my laptop, just learning about video game development and like, oh, yeah. can I do it myself? Like figure out this <laughs> Unity game engine. I don't know. I'm not much of a programmer anymore. I don't think <laughs> I don't think I could do that. Um, and then eventually just, you know, networking and talking my way to to folks who were far more talented and capable than I was. Um, and uh, and of course, my my last company, uh, Moz, was sold to a private equity firm last year. And so that uh that that helped uh, significantly raise the budget for the video game development. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, very cool. Well, that's cool. I love that. The uh... I go I go down a lot of rabbit holes. I mean, <laughs> a few years ago, I went down a Dungeons and Dragons rabbit hole. Oh, really? Geez. Yeah, got obsessed. We had a client that. once that uh, built a whole a whole business off of it. And, and it oh, was yeah. incredible. I was so surprised. We, at first I was like, Oh, I don't know if this is going to go, but then it, it was massive. So it's I mean, pretty what, amazing. What, what in the world? Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything better than finding that you have a passion, a deep passion or an interest, and then pursuing that to the point where you can make it something that's a big part of your life and building friendships yeah. and relationships and professional development around that thing. And then you sort of get to, I don't know, just have these things in your life that you love and you're surrounded by them both in your, you know, personal and professional lives. Yeah. That's it's just pretty incredible. Yeah. And, it, and it's like a win-win, you know, all the way across the board. There are so many, so many shitty things about capitalism, but this is the one good one, <laughs> right? Like this is the outlier. This is the thing that yeah. makes capitalism really fun and great is that if there is a need <laughs> in the market and you can serve that need and, you know, you have the freedom to kind of go and, and start your business and, and do right. those things. And I think the, this is the other thing, right? There's lots of crappy things about the internet, but one of the most wonderful things about the internet is the ability to start this stuff incredibly cheap. Like if my, I don't know, great grandfather wanted to stop being a tailor and start, you know, selling games, <laughs> you know, the, the opportunity for him was, was nowhere. It just didn't, didn't right. exist. Right. The, um, that, that was 
nearly impossible, probably even very difficult for my dad. And it is super easy for folks in our generation because of the opportunities the internet has enabled. So true. So true. My, my young kids have even started doing stuff on the internet to make money. And, you know, my son, streams and and get subscribers on his channel you know it's small but Wait, he's... does he play video games yes he yeah. does yeah <laughs> he does hey, you know it's enough. yeah <laughs> no doubt <laughs> so have you ever had to throw a hail mary in your business or in one of your businesses just to be able to keep going hmm. um i mean the the early days of moz were that sort of life or death moment over and over again. Right. So, you know, for folks who've read lost and founder, they probably remember the story of like, Oh, you know, you're sneaking into the building where all your stuff is at the office and like fleeing before the landlord can take it because you you're way behind on rent. And um, yeah, just, you know, that kind of stuff um, definitely happened in those early days in a lot of ways, right. The, the company that preceded Moz that we sort of, shut down to, to switch over to was a, a web design and development agency that did terribly and was badly in debt and, you know, had lots of customers who just never paid and, you know, kind of all the post.com crash stuff right. going on. Uh, SEO was a Hail Mary, like switching the, switching the agency, the, the, consultancy, I say the agency, switching me and my mom, that's who it is, right? <laughs> it's me and my, it's Rand and Rand's mom, Jillian. That's the, that's the agency, right? Switching us from, hey, let's do web design and development to, hey, let's start selling SEO. Um, that was a big Hail Mary and thankfully paid off, um, mostly thanks to to that blog, right? And that sort of rabbit hole that I'd fallen down there. Right. Um, so absolutely. I think... We have been incredibly um, lucky with SparkToro. Well, combination, very lucky. And also um, my co-founder, Casey, is extremely risk averse. Probably the most the most risk averse <laughs> entrepreneur you'll ever meet. Um, you know, most risk averse entrepreneur who still actually started a company. <laughs> uh, and and uh, as a result of that, a ton of the things that we've done, everything from how we funded it to how we've done product development and customer development and marketing, um, how we've structured the product itself on the on the back end and the front end, how we collect data, um, the fact that we eschew real-time data and, and, and instead have a database that if it goes down for a few hours, you, you won't even notice. All that stuff um, has meant that there have not been... There have not been a lot of Hail Mary moments for us. We've been, you know, we've had our little setbacks and our big leaps forward, but but not, um, yeah, thankfully not a ton of that pain. I think part of that just comes from experience too. Sure. Right? Well, I mean, it sounds like you went through your fair share of, yeah. of challenges in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you've seen this playbook before. You know that, um, you know, you know a lot of the early pitfalls and, and Casey and I both have um, very painful memories of problems that we encountered at our previous companies. And so can bring that uh, to the table here. Yeah. We have a special place in our heart for marketing and, you know, in, in, in the success and the things that you've done, clearly there were some great moves there. So what's, what's one of the marketing principles that sort of changed the course of how you operate in business? 
Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, for, for me, the biggest one is thinking about marketing not as, um, hey, I'm going to invest sort of a certain percent of revenue or a certain amount of budget, and then I expect to get a certain amount out, but yeah. rather my mental model um, and the way that we make investments in marketing, both at Moz in its um, best and more, more mature years and uh, now at SparkToro and hopefully eventually with, um, with this video game, uh, is essentially the flywheel model. And the way I think about that, um, for folks who aren't familiar, the, the idea with a flywheel is that it is, it is very hard to get the, the model up and running, right? So if you want to get one revolution of the input that you put in to the output that you get from the marketing investment you make, um, that, that first revolution is very difficult. But each successive one does two things, hopefully both of them, but either one works, um, even, even in isolation. Thing one is it gets easier to do. Right. So like the next time you, I don't know, pitch to be in a media, uh, you know, source or something, or the next time you pitch to be a guest on a webinar or the next time you uh, publish a blog post or the next time you send a tweet, you know, whatever, whatever marketing <laughs> thing, little marketing tactic activity you're doing, it is easier for you to do it. And uh, second, that you get a greater return the next time you do it. So. Twitter, a tweet is actually a good example of this because it's such, such a micro tactic, right? So you send one tweet and you hope that that tweet reaches some people who might be interested in you and your product, right? And that some of them will go and do one of three things, right? They will amplify that tweet in some way. Maybe they'll reply to it or share it or like it, uh, retweet it, whatever. Uh, maybe they'll start following you either directly on Twitter Right. So that so that next time your message reaches more people or maybe they'll go to your email list and, you know, their, your email newsletter and sign up there or whatever it is or your blog and sign up there. Uh, or perhaps they'll even actually go to your website and check out your product. Very unusual, but possible. And, you know, if you can get one of those three things done with with your with when you send your tweet, like, it's going to be difficult. But if you can do it, that has some return on investment for you. And the goal is next time you send a tweet, yeah, maybe your audience is a little bit bigger. And so that tweet goes further and more people are likely to reshare it and, and like it and, you know, do all the things. And hopefully over time also, you get better at learning what your audience wants. And so your tweets get better, right? right. They are more engaging for your audience. You, you know, start to use some tools and figure out which hashtags your audience is using and you figure out which topics are popular with them and you find you know, ways of structuring your language or, or your visuals or whatever you're doing that engages that audience more. And so hopefully every time you are engaging on Twitter, you are getting higher return on investment and it is easier for you to do it. And that flywheel model can be applied to any marketing strategy you've got, any set of tactics that you're doing. But that's basically how Amanda and I um, at SparkToro think about all the marketing that we do, right? We want every webinar we do to have a few more people attended and be better than the last one and be more engaging and get more people interested in, you know, whatever the, the message that we're sending and the product and amplify it. And, and that's, that's gone pretty darn well. It's not that every single episode is always better than every episode before it, but if you look in aggregate over time, right? Over say two years of a webinar every month, 
yeah, the ones in the last six months just crush the ones from the first six months. And hopefully in two more years, you know, if you look at the last six months, you'll be like, wow, you know, they're reaching thousands of people. It's doing so well. That's that's how we want to invest um, as opposed to the kind of, hey, here's a $500 a month budget for webinars put on a series. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I love that. Um, what are your thoughts on someone saying that they don't need marketing in their business? We've had some people say that to us before and we don't, we don't love it. So what are, what are your thoughts on it? No, I love it. Go for it. Marketing is crowded. I don't need more competition. Get out of here. Don't, don't <laughs> there you marketing. go. <laughs> I like yeah. that perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Your business doesn't need marketing. Fantastic. Like go, go do your not marketing, which is probably <laughs> marketing, uh, right? <laughs> and, but you don't want to call it marketing and that's fine. I, I'm not, I'm not concerned. This was, this was huge for, you know, many, many years in like the tech startup world, yeah. right? That, um, so like for some reason, the entire tech universe was convinced that Google and Facebook, who obviously became monopolies um, in their spaces, right? And, and, you know, some of the world's most valuable companies did no marketing, which, <laughs> which, which we know is, is BS, but it doesn't, right? It, it does not make a big difference to me. Like it's fine if you don't want to invest in, marketing. I, I'm totally cool with that. The, the field has, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of people who do, and there's plenty of practitioners and, and tons of supply and demand. I'm not, I'm not worried if somebody wants to do marketing, but not call it marketing. That's <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that perspective. Uh, nobody's answered it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that perspective. Uh, it's yeah. true. I mean, well, hey man, I don't want to yuck your yum. You love doing marketing and calling it product. Right. Have at it. Right. <laughs> cool. I love that. Uh, Michael, you go ahead and introduce the next question. We love this idea of operating systems and, and of course, you know, having dealt with tech and software. I mean, the operating system is so important. Uh, at what point did you realize having a marketing operating system was more important than just maybe like a one-time tactic? I mean, you sort of touched on that a little bit with the webinar and just throwing something at it. But when did you finally realize that that the system was more important than than just maybe one-time tactics. We see it a lot, you know, like yeah, I got to yeah. run a challenge or I got to run a thing, but that's all they're doing. <laughs> I think it was probably, it was a good number of years into um, Moz as I was trying to really, I think what, what catalyzed it for me was trying to pitch the company to investors, right? So, you know, Moz was venture-backed, I was always, um, I always felt like an underdog outsider, you know, not worthy, not good enough person. And I was always trying to prove to Silicon Valley investors, right? Especially the, the like big names that, Hey, like we deserve, you know, your millions of dollars and all that. Right. Um, which, uh, spoiler, but ended up very terrible decision, like truly <laughs> awful way to spend one's time and energy and, um, I think created a ton of pain and unhappiness and probably probably is what caused Moz to lose its market leadership position in the SEO software field and yada, yada. So 
I won't get into all the all the negatives of, of why we never should have um, raised more rounds. But I will say when I was pitching investors, um, a, a huge part of that was like, show us how you're going to take, you know, money into this business and turn it into massive amounts of growth. Like, how will you become the monopoly in your space and prevent your competitors from getting anywhere and and all those kinds of things? And that was when um, I took a lot of, uh, put a lot of my time and energy into thinking about how to explain the processes and systems that we had unintentionally and sort of accidentally fallen into building <laughs> right. and, caused, right. and, and uh, structure them in such a way that you could present it to a third party and say, this is why this company is valuable and will win. And it will win because it has this, at Moz, it was a phenomenal like SEO and content engine, right? That essentially it would, you know, we'd do some cured research, figure out what our customers were searching for and potential customers and what they're curious about. And we'd, you know, rank for that, you know, create content and rank for that thing and put it, put it on our website. And then we'd turn those people who, who consume that content into subscribers who then became free users, who then became free trial users, who then became customers. And right. We had a decent customer lifetime value and all that kind of stuff. Right. So classic SaaS content, SEO playbook. Now it's very well established when Moz was starting up, it was relatively brand new. Right. uh, Self-service SaaS was barely a thing at the time. So, right. you know, we had a lot of explaining to do to investors at the time. And I think that's what that's what sort of crystallized this concept of, oh, we build a flywheel that scales with decreasing friction. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so we always like to ask this. Do you prefer to do one-on-one selling or one-to-many selling? Okay. <laughs> oh, Lexi. So, all right, I'm going to tell you a funny story. Okay, uh, I'm ready for so. it. <laughs> this is first like six months that SparkToro is live, which so SparkToro launched, um, launched our, our product, like you could buy it on our website, um, the audience research, you know, software, yep. uh, starting in April of 2020, which which was also the start of this other thing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called COVID. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And and so it was a scary as hell time, like in right. ludicrously scary. Casey and I were like, I, who knows what's going to happen with this business? Like, thank goodness we've raised a lot of money because we, you know, have this sort of like big cash of, of funds sitting in there and like, okay, we could probably keep this going for another two years if yeah. the world economy craters for forever or whatever. So this is our, um, you know, of just a very tense time for us. Yeah. And one of the things that I did, which is against my better judgment that, that I would not do again is essentially throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Right. So like <laughs> I can no longer, I can't see my friends anymore. I can't travel. There's no more conferences and events. Like everything is off the table. You're just home all the time. What are you going to do, Rand? I will do anything, <laughs> anything anyone asks of me related to Spark Toro, I will do it. Which included doing a thing that that I had not planned on doing, and that is giving demos, right? So somebody reached oh. out and said, "Like, hey, we're che- you know our team's been checking out SparkToro. Could we schedule a demo with you?" And I said, "Of course, absolutely, no problem." There's only the two of us, right? So there's no Amanda yet. She, we, we haven't hired her. It's just me and Casey. So every week I did three or four, maybe five demos sometimes, right? Um, and 
over the course of the next six months. Um, good news is SparkToro grew rapidly, did yeah. super well, got lots of customers. It was great, um, especially that that fall of 2020. We had like rapid, rapid growth. Um, and in January, I looked back and was like, hey, Casey, like, can I see, you know, I want to look at all the customers. We have ProfitWell, so I just used ProfitWell. Looked at yeah. all the customers and was like, aha, I see that uh, of the 60 demos, 70 demos I gave, two people signed up. Oh, oh God, I I am terrible at demos. <laughs> what What is happening, right? So like you know, three people were signing up for SparkToro every day just by trying the free version and being like, oh yeah, I need this. And then they'd sign up for the paid version and they turn into great customers. And the people right. who asked for demos and got demos, you know, an hour of my time, like on the phone doing nothing else. Uh, here, let right. me walk you through, learn your business, uh, try and help you, you know, use the product. Usually really enjoyable calls. You know, I'm not like, I, I'm generally someone who can make friends with almost everyone, right? Right. right. Like we, we, had, we had lots of good connections, I thought. <laughs> None of them signed up. Like, forget about it. If you needed a demo, you were not a good SparkToro customer. And so starting, uh, you know, last year, 2021, they were like, okay, no more demos. <laughs> if you ask for a demo, you get a response with, hey, watch these three videos. Sorry, we're just a tiny team. We can't do demos. If you sign up for an, a SparkToro account and then you come and say like, hey, could you do a little like team training? Sure, no problem, of course. Happy to do that, yep. do that all the time. That seems to go great. But the people, I, so do I like one-to-one -one selling? Hell no. <laughs> I hate it, I'm terrible at it. I, I don't know, maybe I was supposed to like follow up and be like a salesy <laughs> salesperson, but I don't, I ain't about that life, so. <laughs> all right, that's fair, I like that. Some people love the one-to-one -one and some people like the one-to-many, so I, I, I think it's know. good. I, so one-to-one, -one, see the thing is, what's weird is I love one-to-one -one hanging out and yeah. talking and like, you know, I, I don't know, going out for dinner and making cocktails and like, I, I love one-on-one -on -one stuff, Yeah. Um, but, I don't, I hate it from a sales perspective because I feel like, yeah. I feel like one-to-one -one relationships, the beautiful part about it is like building someone in your life who you might connect with and finding shared interests and overlaps and, you know, right. I, I don't know, building a, the start of at least building the start of like a friendship. Yeah. And sales makes that ugly, you know, it makes it like, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's sort of like the worst parts of dating, right? Like the, <laughs> the best part, the best part of dating, you know, wh whether it's friend dating or romance dating, right. Is the yeah. like, Hey, let's find the shared connection between us and let's build like a relationship that produces, you know, good feelings from both of us. And like, we care about each other now and we want each other to do well. And if we need help, we want to help each other. And the bad part of dating is I want you for just this thing. Like I am using you to get this thing that I want. And that's how sales always felt to me. Like I'm using you to get this thing that I want. And hopefully, you know, you're getting something out of it too, but mostly I'm trying to close the deal. Right. I just don't ever want to feel like I'm trying to close the deal with somebody unless right. the deal is lifelong friendship. Like, sorry, <laughs> now we're friends forever. <laughs> Stop with me. I love that. That's Ooh. the only deal I want to close. Okay. Nice.
cool. So we've uh, you've mentioned SparkToro along the way, and the assumption is that's your core product in your business. So uh, if it is, and and that's that's the case, uh, let's talk about it. Tell tell everybody about SparkToro. Give us a little bit more about the the guts of it and what it what it's about. Uh, so my my favorite way to describe SparkToro is um, in an ideal world, right? From a marketing and, and research perspective, like Lexi and Michael, if the three of us start a company and we like, I don't know, we, we want to learn, we want to market to interior designers in Los Angeles. Like we're selling some new fancy interior design software. LA is our first market. Oh, okay. So the ideal thing that we could possibly do for our marketing is get the addresses of all the interior designers in LA, home addresses, go to their houses, break in, steal their phone, right? Take, steal their phone, get their unlock code, uh, and then uh, unlock their phone and, and record everything that they subscribe to on YouTube and all the podcasts that they've ever downloaded and uh, look at the, all the email newsletters they subscribe to, uh, go check out all their, everybody they follow on, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Reddit, whatever, like all the communities they're part of. And then take that data and aggregate it with all the other interior designers in LA. Wow. But this is highly illegal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so SparkToro is illegal. Okay. Oh, there we go. See, I, yeah. Temperature problems. Okay. Hang on. I'm going to switch to uh, the other uh, camera real quick. No worries. Settings, no worries. camera, this one. It's going to be less less high quality. Apologies for that. Oh, it looks great. Okay. That's yeah. Great. Yeah, you're good. Um, right. So, so <laughs> the, the, yes, close OBS. Sorry, OBS. You don't work anymore. Um, so the, the reality, right, is that uh, you cannot do that thing. You, you can't do the ideal thing, which is to get all of this, this data about your uh, customers by, by breaking into their houses and stealing your phones. But the next best thing is it turns out tons of people have public social and web profiles where all this stuff is just right out there. So you could, you could for example, you could go yeah. to um, whatever, LinkedIn, search for interior designers, uh, filter to Los Angeles and then like find a list of, you know, 400 interior designers in LA, click on all their profiles, get all their, you know, Twitter accounts. And then from their Twitter be like, okay, where's their, their website? Oh, great. They link to their YouTube. They link to their, I don't know, Reddit or Instagram or whatever, put all these together. And then I'm going to crawl all of them and I'm going to aggregate all the data. I'll get it that way. This is not illegal or unethical. Google does it. As long as the as long as you're only crawling and indexing public data, you're fine, right? But it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, is that hard to do if you are like an agency or a marketer? And so right. Casey and I were basically, you know, when we started SparkTor, we were like, let's just build that for the whole internet. So that nice. you can go to SparkToro and say, my audience uses these words in their bio, interior designer, and they are located in Los Angeles, California. Click. Okay, here's 400, you know, interior designers in LA who have public profiles, and here's an analysis of everything they do. So, 18% of them use this hashtag, and 17% use that hashtag, and 12% wow. talk about this topic, and 17, 16%, uh, you know, follow this podcast, and 32% pay attention to this person on social, and go to this conference, and that data is insanely valuable. 
right? Like ludicrously right. valuable. Um, right. And for, depending on, on what you're doing, you kind of need that to be able to organize and sort your, your PR pitches and your media strategy and your advertising tactics and uh, all the outreach that you want to do. Right. And even just to get a marketing strategy going of like, hey, should... I don't know. Should webinars be a big part of our strategy? Well, it looks like our audience is not very webinar centric. Maybe let's go the podcast route or let's go YouTube or you know what? I think social, especially Instagram is going to be really big for us reaching these, all that kind of data uh, just to make smart strategic and tactical decisions. That's essentially what SparkToro helps people do. And rather than being you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars per one audience to analyze, it's 50 bucks a month. And so, yeah, Very cool. that's, uh, that's our product. Very cool. And so, you know, with all of that research that you know, and that you can use your software for, how many different ways do you have to get people to that? Um, is yeah. it, is it webinars? Is it challenges? Like what yeah, does that yeah. look like for you guys? Um, we are, we are big on sort of, uh, eating our own dog food. So we, um, okay. yeah, the primary way that Amanda and I do all, almost all the marketing for SparkToro is essentially we find the sources of influence that reach our audience. Okay. Podcasts and shows and people with YouTube channels and people with big social accounts on Twitter and LinkedIn, which is where most marketing activity online happens. Um, blogs, uh, so websites, conferences and events, right? Um, uh, you know, mainstream press. And then we, we basically say, hey, that's where we are going to be present. We want those people to pick up and talk about our message and, and what we do. Uh, and so far, it's been, it's been very successful. It's essentially uh, the strategy is kind of like what influencer marketing used to be before yeah. influencers became like half naked people on Instagram. Right. That's <laughs> like, true. That's essentially what we do. We do the old school influencer marketing, which is essentially okay. sources of influence, maybe influence right. marketing with no R. Okay. So do you run any ads for this business? Nope. No ads. Not a one. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. Cool. No ads, and we get no search traffic. Like zero visitors from Google with, with the exception of branded search. So SparkToro or SparkToro, okay. um, misspellings <laughs> of our name, send us a lot of traffic. Okay. Well, but that's it. Cool. Very yeah. cool. All right, Michael, go for it. What's the best, if you do them, maybe you don't, but what's the best lead magnet you've ever built? Ooh, what's a lead magnet? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I'm a professional marketer who's been in the industry for 21 years. What's a lead magnet? <laughs> Go for it, Michael. Well, just a, a you know, like a free product or something upfront that uh, that would per, uh, create leads for you to be able to market to. I don't know if you do anything like that. Yeah. I, maybe, maybe you guys don't. Interesting. So we, um, with Moz and with SparkToro, both of them are sort of uh, self-service, you know, use the free version before you, you, you pay for anything. And so I, we've never had, I've never had, um, sales like, a you know, someone turns from whatever, a 
an email into a lead or a target, and then you try and sell them something. I've never had that. Um, cool. The closest thing I ever had was when I when I did um, fundraising. I basically had like, okay, here's the list of you know 500 venture capital firms that invest in early stage software companies. Those are that's my pitch list. How do I get intros to them? How do I pitch each one? That's as close as I've ever had to a to a whole like a lead in a sales system. Um, right. And that was completely outbound sale, you know, sales um, for me. So yeah, with with none of my businesses have I ever done true lead magnets. That being said, um, SparkToro did, uh, we did produce two, actually three free tools before we launched our actual product um, with, what am I going to say? Um with goals around product positioning, data aggregation and acquisition, um, you know, getting Twitter keys to be able to make requests to uh, that network so that we could do it via the API. Um, th those include the fake followers tool, which has become very popular, especially now everybody and their dog is like writing about how Elon Musk has half, you know, half his followers don't exist. Um, <laughs> and and uh, the other one is Spark Score, which essentially like tries to be a more... Uh, a much more accurate representation of how influential uh, a social account is. And then we have this trending tool, which kind of tells marketers what's hot in the marketing universe um, on any given day. It's kind of like hacker news for marketers. Um, those products have been very successful in terms of our uh, getting people to know us and trust us and getting us, you know, sort of nicely positioned in the market uh, before yeah. our launch and then helping us to also acquire data. Nice. Nice. I love that. What, uh, what numbers do you look at on a, on a daily basis in your business? Yeah. Uh, for us, biggest thing, I try not to look at anything daily because, okay. you know, you don't, the roller coaster of startup life is like too stressful. <laughs> you don't, um, yeah, that, I, I think that's a super unhealthy practice, but every couple of weeks, Yes, I try and look at uh, the big ones for us. Oh, it's almost all in ProfitWell, which is free. I don't understand how ProfitWell is free, but um, it is. A, if anyone is running a SaaS business, I can't recommend it enough. Um, it essentially plugs into Stripe and then gives you all this, all the metrics around like how many signups and how much they're paying and conversion, you know, rate and and growth rate and all that kind of stuff. And so we, I look at essentially MRR. I look at our um, customer acquisition rates and our churn rates and retention. I love looking at resubscriptions. That's like one of my favorite metrics cool. to see, especially with SparkToro, because it's such a, you get lots of value the first time you use it. And like, you know, for tons of people, they're basically like, I have this problem that SparkToro can solve. I'm going to go use it. And then two or three months later, they're like, okay, I'm kind of done with it. I'm going to quit. And then six months later, or a year later, they're like, I need that thing again. Right. And so, um, for us, resubscriptions is a, um, something that I, I believe will be a big, uh, growth mechanism for the company long-term, right. For, for lots of SaaS businesses, they're obsessed with churn because they worry about essentially a customer from a one-time subscription perspective. And it's, it's sort of viewed that if that customer ever leaves your subscription, You've lost them. That was your product doing bad things or your company being bad. And, you know, churn rate is, is, is always terrible. And the way I think about it is over the course of the next 10 years, 
how many months of subscription and dollars of subscription will someone who has the problem that Sparks Toro solves need? Yeah. And then can we be the place where they always solve that or most of the time solve that? And that's, that's my kind of lifetime value of a customer, not right. how long does one subscription period last? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. Cool. Perspective. Does it? Because uh, no venture capitalist believes that. Oh no, I think it, I think it does. And I think in, in a lot of cases with SaaS companies, we deal with them a lot. They just, they don't understand it. I mean, obviously people are starting to understand churn a little bit better. They're starting to understand lifetime value, which is kind of a funny statement anyway. It's not like we know how long they're going to live, uh, you know, and, and, uh, although if you can make a software for that, you know, <laughs> I do, I do have this one frustration, right, with ProfitWell or, um, or any of the other um, subscription measuring tools, which is that they really do not try and estimate lifetime value based on recidivism rates. Right. Like none of them will look at, and they also, they're not sophisticated about it either. So even in ProfitWell, I really dislike that um, they only, someone only counts as a resubscriber if they use exactly the same email address to sign back up with you. Right. Which is also super dumb, right? What I want is, hey, this company, this organization, this, you know, agency, or this person, if the person's email address changes and they come back, that should be a resubscription. And if the company has a different email address from which they subscribe in the future, that should be a resubscription too. And then I think that they're, you know, a true customer lifetime value should not be the lifetime of a subscription of one subscription. It should be the life of that customer in its relation to your business. And then I think you would start to see really, really different, you know, um, CLTV values and, Mm -hmm. and just a whole lot more people thinking about long-term relationships with their subscribers instead of, how do I keep you from quitting this month? Yeah. Right. right. And that's not, you know, that like, I love, I love that one of the things that we get to do at Spark Toro is anybody who asks for a refund, like, here you go. Right. Oh my God. Of course, you know, you, you didn't get everything you wanted with the subscription or you paid for an extra month when you meant to quit last month. What are, like, I don't need your $50. Like you need those 50 bucks. If you're writing to me, you definitely need those 50 bucks. Let me help you out. Right. Right. And I promise, I promise that what they're going to say for the rest of their life about SparkToro is, yeah, I had a really good customer service experience with them. Even if they didn't solve their problem, that's going to be a positive memory, not a negative one. And if you're like, oh, I'm sorry, you needed to cancel your subscription on this date. And, you know, uh, we we can't do backdated uh, refunds more than a month old. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Totally. Um, okay, so if people want to get Spark Toro, they should get on a demo with you, right? That's the, <laughs> that's the plan. Um, actually, Lexi, what was your email address? <laughs> uh, we make all Spark Toro demo requests to you from now on. Okay, sounds good. Um, Congratulations so- on the unpaid internship. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> Love it. Um, but really, how? What, what's the best way for them to, yeah. to go and uh, check that out? So the, the nice thing about SparkToro is, like I said, you can go to the homepage, sparktoro.com, start searching right away, uh, set up a free account. Cool. You, you don't have to do anything. You, if you run out of searches, so we give you five free searches every month, but if you yeah. run out of them, 
you'll actually get an email like 24 hours later that says, hello, you ran out of searches. Here's five more. So like go to town, you know, uh, if the data is useful and valuable to you and you're like, gosh, I really want more of that. Great. There's, there's paid plans ranging from, you know, 50 bucks a month up to uh, 300. And if not, if you only ever use the free version for forever and that's valuable to you, I love that too, right? Like we, we created this company, not just to, you know, we don't have venture investors. We're not trying to be a billion dollar behemoth. We are trying to get this information uh, out to marketers and make it useful and usable by anyone and build ourselves a nice business that we can feel lovely about running for the long term, even if it's quite small. That's, yeah. uh, that's who we are. I love that. I love it. And your book, you, you have a book out if they haven't read it yet. Can you just tell them about that? Cause that's pretty cool oh, too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, lost and founder is essentially, um, about the, the, the kind of first 20 years journey at, um, Moz building that business, changing it from, you know, a, an agency, a consultancy to a software business, raising money, that whole, um, process, all the all the kinds of things, uh, high stress kinds of things that you might find um, in in a business like that. So, you know, hiring and firing folks, doing big painful layoffs, um, trying to ma- raise money and failing. What it looks like when you when you succeed at raising money, uh, <laughs> about painful bout with depression and stepped down from the CEO role and wrote about that. Um, and and in in each chapter, uh, I try and focus on basically conventional Silicon Valley tech world wisdom and dispelling a lot of that, bringing a different perspective to it uh, through both, you know, our story and, and through data. And then the book kind of ends with the transition to start spark Toro and, and all the things that we're doing differently here, but it was published in 2018. So that like the business was still just an idea. Hadn't even uh, technically kickstarted yet. Wow. Well, that's great. We're so glad that you joined us today and everybody needs to go check out spark toro it's awesome you're gonna love it it's really cool and rand is really cool go check out his book as well and we thank you so much for joining us today thank you, thank you for being on the podcast and the episode we're, we're so excited to have you and can't wait to have you back again sometime it, it was an honor uh yeah lexi michael thank you both for having me and uh take care of yourselves cheers all right take care Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.